Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you just for your goodness expressed to us through everything that Jesus has already done for us. I thank you that in a world where there's so much trouble, you're good and you've given us your word, your, the scriptures, to show us how to win in life. And this morning, Lord, we invite you to help us to understand how we can win in our faith life and walk with you. How we can see situations change and answered prayer and situations turn around. And so, Lord, instruct us and teach us in the way we should go. I ask that this word, even if we've heard it before, will come in a fresh way. And that our ears and hearts will be open to hear what your spirit is saying today. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to continue a little bit from last week. I spoke about why faith isn't working. Why maybe your prayers aren't working. And uh, I'm not going to repeat last week. But we could see that there are tests of faith that happen to us to see whether our faith will go the distance. But there's also some heart issues and offences. We can have offence, or as Miles put it this morning, hold a grudge. And that is one of the most limiting things in answered prayer. I don't think people realise how much damage they do in their lives and in their um, ability to receive from God because they keep and hold a grudge against someone or something. But this morning, I'm going to speak something uh, that might be old news to you or it could be new. And unless we understand this, our faith will not work effectively. And I know that Jesus has a plan for us to see the things he's promised happen. But if we don't understand the way that God works, we can actually miss out on so much good if we don't understand this. And many fail to receive answered prayer because of this very thing. And by the way, this teaching is not a church thing, a denomination thing. It's not... Uh, an Americanism. It's from the Bible. Okay, so I'm going to teach something from the Bible that you might think, I'm going to dismiss this because it's been abused. We've got to take the Word of God and apply it and ask Him to help us not to throw out uh, something that is so important for our success by just having prejudices about people who have abused this. And it is faith confession I want to talk about. Speaking out your faith. Now I know that there are blab it and grab it people and name it and claim it people and it, it can go horribly wrong. But we're going to see from the word of God that the Bible has a lot to say of how important what we say is both to our salvation but also to the blessings and the promises of God that God plans for us. 
Confession is really simple to understand. Confession means to say the same thing as. That's what actually the translation of the word means biblically. To say the same thing as. And actually we're talking about saying the same things as God says in his word, in the Bible. So confession is agreeing with what God says. Simply that. But it doesn't work without your heart involvement. So in other words, just being parrot-like, just using your mouth to repeat. Two times two is four. You know, I can repeat certain things and do multiplication, and it doesn't involve my heart. And the Bible is really clear that confession needs to be spoken out with faith. And we only believe, not with our heads, but with our hearts. Our hearts are designed by God to believe first, and then we speak. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, Jesus is called the high priest of our confession. Now that terminology means that Jesus acts on behalf of those who say what he is saying about a situation and he fulfills it or gets it done. So when we remain silent or internalize our faith, there isn't a release from heaven for God to start working in your life. So confession is needed to activate or to move heaven to earth. To move what God says from the written word into your experience. But it has to begin with your heart and then come out of your mouth. Now let's look at Romans chapter 10. This is an amazing um, few verses that speaks about what, how to be saved, basically. And it uses this word confession as part of becoming a Christian. So you can't become a Christian just by believing in your heart. You have to say something if you're to be saved. Romans 10 puts it like this, and Paul um, He's speaking about the word of faith. That's the message of Jesus, what Jesus has done for us on the cross. All that he has done to complete the work, rise again, and now anyone who does this is saved, who genuinely does. Not parrot fashion, not just repeat after me, because it's not that. It's not just repeat after me. It has to be the person who believes in their heart first and then confesses with their mouth. Let me just read this and then we'll take a look at that, uh, unpack it a bit. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and the mouth, confession, is made unto salvation. 
the biggest miracle, the miracle of all miracles that changes you from a sinner before God and makes you right with God happens like this. You believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. In other words, you're saying and believing that God has raised him to the highest place and that he is now Lord of your life and you're submitting to him. But you also believe that he died for your sins and he rose again from the dead and you confess him your Savior and Lord. You speak out what you believe about Jesus. So you don't have to be a good person to become a Christian. You must believe and speak to become a Christian because Jesus did the work of salvation and all we have to do is believe with our hearts and speak and you will be saved. And that scripture clearly says, with the heart you believe to righteousness, but confession is made unto salvation. In other words, confession brings salvation to you. Without confessing or speaking out your faith in what Jesus has done, salvation isn't coming. It's confession unto something, God bringing a promise to you, God bringing forgiveness of sins, God bringing righteousness, God bringing a new creation into birth. God fulfills the word when you believe and speak it and you are saved. And salvation isn't just forgiven. God gives birth to a new person spiritually. So when you're born again, it's actually through believing and speaking that Jesus is Lord and confessing him as your Lord and Savior. The old you has gone and the new you has come. And so to be saved is to be a totally new person in the sight of God who is right with God, not by anything good you've done, but right with God because Jesus has become your righteousness. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. Now, the way we begin our Christian life is believing and speaking then. If you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. Salvation. But also the way you continue your Christian life is believing and speaking until we go to heaven. And things need to come unto you. How many of you want to see the promises come to you? Well, believe and speak is all part of it. There may be obedience or things to do linked with the promise, but it is believing with the heart and confessing with your mouth will bring God into work. Your high priest will begin to act on your behalf and begin to fulfill what is spoken. So the word will come to pass when we believe it with our heart Agree with what God says because the promise comes directly from the word of God and we speak it out. You know, we can believe many things about ourselves. 
We can believe what people say about us. We can believe what our experiences even of ourselves are. We can believe certain things because of our background, our intellect, our history, where we came from, what we've been through. Many of those things could define us. But I'm here to tell you this morning, the good news is that only God has the right and authority to define you and to call you what he calls you rather than what everybody else says. But you know, something has to happen with our mouth if we're going to change a world we don't like living in. If we want to change our world, our lives, our relationships, our circumstances, something needs to change. God already wants to change it. But we have to partner with him in it to believe with our heart and start to speak something different out. Isn't it easy to say and spend your whole life saying, Oh, it's just me, I'm just like that. And talk yourself down. Has anybody ever talked yourself down? I can talk myself down and I've decided there's nobody who's got a better view of me than God. And his view is in Christ. It's not because of me, it's because of Jesus that his view is so good. It's very important there's a separation there because we're not exalting people, we're exalting Jesus and what he has done, and what he has made me. But his view of me is quite extraordinary. And so we need to change. If we want a different future, we need to change what we're believing and what we're speaking over our lives. If you want a different marriage, guys, a different relationship, if you want a healthy marriage, you can speak all the flaws you like, and the flaws will take you to the floor. Or you can speak the in Christ message. You can begin to call those things that may not yet be as though they are. And your marriage will begin to lift into something that goes to the top floor, not the, bow, the, the bottom. And so believing and speaking alters so much. And sometimes, you know, we're our own worst enemies. We agree with what we're feeling. We agree with our negative circumstances. We agree with what's wrong all the time in our bodies or our lives or our circumstances. And it, <laughs> confessing what God says we are is not a denial of facts. We're not people who deny if we're sick we need a miracle. Okay, we're not denying facts, but we're saying truth is what's going to come out of my heart and mouth because I want to change the facts. So if I'm going to change the facts, the symptoms, my living experience, then I need to believe something different and start to speak it over the circumstances to see change. Whenever Jesus worked, he would believe and speak. 
and call things that were not in existence. I mean, he used to speak to people, pick up your mat and walk, to somebody who couldn't walk. Why? Because he realized the power comes through believing and speaking, and God begins to work. Because every word he speaks, he fulfills. He brings it to pass. But he calls us to act in the same way and believe and speak with our mouths. Proverbs uh, 18, 21, I know many of you will know this, but it's quite a sobering scripture. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And whoever loves it will eat the fruit of it. In other words, if you love speaking Let's call death down words, bad words, um, uh, negative words. Then you are speaking things that will cause things to dry up, diminish, go downhill. But if you speak life, you speak positivity, if you speak what God is saying, then you're going to eat a different future. And I don't want to end, end up eating off fruit. Has anybody had any off fruit, fruit that's gone off? Naturally speaking, you can go to your fruit bowl and you can say, let me try that, and it's gone off. I don't like eating off fruit. And I don't want to eat an off future. I want to eat tasty and good and nice future. But the scripture says, it's in my mouth. It's in what I say. My future is in what I say. And what I'm believing from God is going to happen in my future. Some Christians have got it completely wrong. They say, Lord, I do hope one day. And he says, well, partner with me. Change the way you're living. Believe with your heart and start speaking and calling things like I call them. Then things are going to come unto you and they're going to be blessings that are coming rather than bad things. Uh, Proverbs also says, Proverbs 23, I think it is, um, he who guards his mouth is actually going to avoid his soul. He will preserve from trouble. He's going to avoid trouble. How many of you want to avoid trouble? Uh, <laughs> how many of you have started trouble with your mouth? If you're honest, you've started trouble with your mouth. And uh, you, can, you can actually destroy relationships with your mouth. You can, you can tear somebody down in a minute or even in a nanosecond with what comes out of your mouth. And we all know what that feels like, don't we? When somebody talks us down and how much that damages us. And many people grow up with such a, a terrible view of themselves because of what's been spoken to them and what's been spoken over them again and again. Oh, you're just like your alcoholic, crazy, not nice dad, whatever. You're just like him. And there is an expectation then in that child to grow up just like him. Because they believe it's spoken over them and they just adopt that belief system that they'll never break free out of what they have thought 
and had said about them. And so your, your words in your tongue is death or life. And we must choose life words. In fact, even better, God words. Because if we say what God says about us in Christ, not in our own achievements or boasting about ourselves, but what Jesus has done for us, then we can rise to where he calls us to be. And God begins to work with our words. It's wonderful. You remember Gideon in Judges chapter 6. He's famous because he, he is this, this man who has grown up. Um, and it says he's the least in his tribe. He's the weakest. Uh, his family background is rubbish, zero. He is the zero of all the zeros in the family. Uh, he literally is uh, rubbish. I'm rubbish. You're rubbish. Yes, I'm rubbish. I'm rubbish. Yes, I said you're rubbish, but you're worse than rubbish. You're rubbish, rubbish. You're double rubbish. And he got this whole um, a belief going on in him. And he's trying to survive. And you remember he's threshing wheat in the wine press, trying to hide from the enemy just to survive. Because many times those who feel rubbish, they just fight to survive. Fighting just to get some scraps. And Gideon um, has a faith confession spoken over him by God. Because God has a faith confession. It's his theology, you see. It's his word, it works. And he speaks over him. Listen to this. The Lord is with you. Mighty warrior. I mean, he's, he's shaking in his boots in the hiding from the enemy. And he calls him something that he just definitely isn't. The facts are, I'm rubbish and zero. He's saying something that is never said about me before. The Lord is with you. Now, this isn't because Gideon is suddenly going to become a superhero. It's because God says, I'm with you. Well, like uh, these people we've been hearing about who've got saved, who've received Jesus Christ, the Lord is with them. They are completely different people because the Lord is with them. They used to stand on their own. Now they've got God. <gasps> Never alone. But not just a God of morality and do this, do that, be nice, to say the right thing. A God who is all-powerful. A God who is able to do things that no human can do. And so God speaks over Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Because I'm with you, I make you a winner. Because the Lord never gives birth to failures. In Christ, there are no failures. There are only more than conquerors. Through him who loved us and gave himself for us. And so Gideon had to change how he viewed himself, how he thought about himself, how he believed 
about the future of his life from that point on. It wasn't same old Gideon. It was a new person who was going to lead many into victory and see God use him in an extraordinary way to save a nation. Low self-esteem is changed with a God esteem, a God brand, a in Christ brand, Christ in me. How can we have a low esteem if we think and believe the right things about who we are now in Christ Jesus? Loved, blessed, even if you're going through the worst trial of your life, the truth is, in Christ, he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Even if you feel you failed, he has made you holy and blameless in his sight. All a work of grace. Not because of your effort. You're a son. Now, that means you all qualify for the inheritance of the eldest son. The same as Jesus. So you have an inheritance in God. All the promises you have inherited in Christ Jesus, they're all yours. Isn't this amazing? The Bible has a lot to say about the new person. Actually, if we were to take off the old glasses of religious thinking, or even the level to which we're currently living in, and we could see emerge this new person out of the New Testament, we'd be amazed at who we are. Coming out of the pages of the Word of God is, wow, this is me. And you need to look in the right mirror, which is the Word. This is your mirror. You take a good look at who you are in Christ Jesus. Because if you look long enough, it has power to change your belief. And then you'll be able to speak things and you will begin to live a holy life, a blessed life, a life of more than a conqueror, not a, another failure. Look in the mirror of God's word. You know, when I disagree with God, and I'm tempted to on many occasions because I get really disappointed in me. I really get disappointed in me. I am my own worst critic, and I also have lots of critics. And you know, God continually speaks over my life, and I get shocked. I, do, I literally get shocked. Um, I went to a national leaders thing, and we were prophesying over each other and just speaking as we saw God, you know, what God was seeing over our lives. And there were kind of five different uh, other leaders around me praying. And one after the other had exactly the same word of how God saw me. Now, I consider that one's good, two's uh, confirmation, three's extraordinary, four is remarkable, five is, okay, God, what are you saying? <laughs> five times this elevated thinking about this, what, me? But it's not me, it's Christ in me. And it's what God has done in me that brings me to that. I need to change what I think then. 
And I need to start believing and speaking completely different than what I say about myself. And that had to happen in Gideon if he was ever going to move in his destiny. You will never reach your potential without believing and speaking who God says you are. You won't see the power or the miracles of God until you do. Now, I think you're going to love this next bit. Luke chapter 4. We just look here. I'm going to skip through these verses, but they're very powerful. I don't want to undermine them. I just want to skip through and move on a bit quick now. Luke 4. Uh, Jesus, he comes to his hometown in verse 16, where he'd been brought up. It's always in your hometown, it's always with your family, that everybody, uh, well, I know Henry, the old rogue. <laughs> you know, and, and you, you can say things just because you know about him and your history, um, but they don't know you in Christ. That's the difference. Uh, the new you, and it's, it's who you are now that actually is going to be revealed, the work that Jesus has done in your life. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is in his own town. He went into the synagogue because he did church every weekend, and he stood up and read. And he was handed the book of Isaiah, the prophet, and when he'd opened the book, he found the place it was written. I just want to do the drama thing, okay? The scroll. Imagine the scroll. So it wasn't a book like we have our Bible, but it was written on a scroll. Isaiah's long. It's got 66 chapters. It's a long book, one of the prophets. And uh, actually, there are over 300 prophecies fulfilled about Jesus in the Old Testament. Even down to the last detail. So he's, there he is, Jesus, God in the flesh, in the synagogue with the word, about to speak the word, and he finds where it is written. He actually finds the place that defines him. Did you get it? He found the place. Oh, that's me. And this is what I can do. This is what I'm here for. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, he hadn't done a miracle. Luke doesn't record any miracle until he spoke it. He already believed it because as a boy, he loved the Word. And he already had the Word in him. And that's why he knew the Word, because he knew where it was written. Do you know your Bible? Enough to know where it's written about you. Jesus knew before he stood up and spoke, so he wasn't just parroting the word. He already believed it was who he was, but he found the place and he spoke, it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to proclaim liberty for the oppressed, and the year of favor, the good news for the poor. He spoke it out. And you know what? Just like you and me, God began to work. Wherever he went, that ministry was fulfilled. Why? Because he believed it and spoke it before he ever saw it happen. 
And sometimes, in fact, always let me say, according to the word of God, you have to believe and speak it before you see yourself acting and doing it. You have to find the place where it is written about you and begin to believe that. In Christ, this is me. Even if it goes against everything in me, it's still true because the word says it's true. And because the word says it's true, I believe it and therefore I will speak it. And do you know what? Unto salvation, unto. The confession is made unto something. Something's going to happen because I'm believing and speaking it. John the Baptist, I'll just use this example quickly. John the Baptist when was sent a deposition to go to him in the wilderness and say, well, who, 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 who do you say you are? We, got, we need to know. What's your answer? And you can read it in John chapter 1. I love this. John, John comes uh, to them and they come and sort of questioning, who are you? Are you this? Are you that? Are you the other? And when people ask you who you are, I know it's quite difficult in the shopping a situation to say, well, I'm in Christ. Uh, you know, you do have to pick your moment. But these are religious people asking him. So, you know, he'd already found the place where it was written about who he was. And when he gave the answer, he said, I'll tell you who I am. It's from Isaiah 40. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare a way of the Lord. That's who I am. So when John the Baptist was asked who he was, he did what Jesus did. And he found it in scripture. It is written. And he believed it and he spoke it out. Now I had an awkward moment recently with a very nice, I love this guy, Christian. But doesn't understand these things. Doesn't understand this teaching is happy to speak everything negative over his life. And every time I hear him speak, I say, don't do it. But if I taught him, he'd be mad. Uh, so I have to be a bit careful. But I was having a chat with him and uh, sharing a cup of coffee. And, uh, you know, really nice guy. I love him to bits. He said to me, well, you know, when you get to our age, I'm thinking, you're older than me, so I'm not going there. But anyway, when you get to our age, well, age never comes on its own. Well, I tell you what's coming to my age. Wisdom, health, strength, long life. But anyway, I thought I ain't going to say that because he's going to think I'm a little strange. He said, with old age comes this, this, and this. And you can... And he looked at me and he actually said, you can expect, pointing at me, you can expect, you don't do this to me by the way, you can expect to be uh, very unhealthy. I said, well, what a doom and gloom forecast you have of my life. I thought I'd put it like that rather than repent. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what an awful forecast you have for our future, I said, quietly but nicely, with a big smile on my face as I have another sip of coffee, well, I'm not expecting that. Well, 
I'm not expect I will not say when people pressurize me to say you're going to have a sick future. The natural outcome of this is this. It doesn't even matter if the biggest consultant in the world says it. I've got the biggest doctor in the universe on it. <laughs> the great physician, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my consultant on every matter. Well, hang on a minute. Let me tell you what my future is. I'll look in the mirror. This is telling me the plans he does, he knows to prosper me, not harm me, to give me no calamity, doom. We're doomed. We're on our way down. The ship is going down. I am not expecting. I'm expecting deliverance when I need it. And you know, let's talk into the situation, financial situation currently. There is an energy crisis worldwide. These are the facts. Uh, the prices are hiking. If you've had to change your energy supply, you will well and truly know it is more than doubled. It is hiked. Some people are going to find it extremely hard. But there is a God in our midst who is mighty to save. And you know what he says? In times of famine, by the way, it is written, I found the place. I, I found this place. It's a good one. Do you want to know where it is? Look it up. <laughs> Find your own place. <laughs> Honey, it's time you stood on your own faith and speak it out in your own bedroom before you declare it in public so that you actually believe it and have a conviction without turning nasty on everybody in love. But you say it as God says it and you say it with a conviction of heart. The scripture says, in famine, you will have plenty. Okay, now, how does this work then? Well, let me just unpack this financially. Get the best deal you can get. Be wise. Right? But you know, the first thing I do when I hear of challenge, especially financially, do you know what the first thing I do? I actually check my giving. I don't check how much I have. I check what am I giving. Other way round. So I look, am I actually tithing? Some of us have had increases and not increased anything for a while. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which is the local church where you're fed. And prove me in this. So I need to make sure I get my bit right. So he will prove that he will rebuke the devourer for my sake. Energy ain't going to go dry. I'll have more than enough for every good work. 
So yes, there's wisdom. Yes, there is a way to live righteously. But I can say with confidence, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. And in any famine, there will be more than enough. He will provide the plenty, providing I'm doing my bit of obedience and faith. So don't get the nice Christians to talk you down out of your confession. Don't let other people define you. Now, I just also want to unpack this before I finish. Okay. I told you I had some critics and they seem to be getting more. (laughs) Praise God. Uh, And, you know, I have to choose in those moments who I allow to define me. However, I have learned a secret that I can listen to the critics and not be shattered but still secure that God loves me and he still calls me blessed, holy in his sight. But I go to him and I say, Lord, I know you're the only one who defines me, but is there any refining? required so they don't define me I use even the negative to get with God and say is that is that flesh is that the impurity of the flesh you see when you're a Christian there's Christ in you which I would call the gold the most valuable part of you is Christ in you that's who you are in Christ now But we're not yet perfected, are we? Who we are is we're being changed from one degree of glory to another. So, whilst what they criticize and speak negatively about me could tear me down, I don't let it. I just let it, I use it to refine, take all the impurity out of me so I can become more like the gold, (laughs) Jesus. I want to become more like Jesus. So don't be defined by the criticism, use it to refine and to remove all those things out of your life. Say, Father, if I have sinned, I can confess my sin. You're faithful to forgive me. Maybe I need to go to them and say, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I shouldn't have done that. But still, it doesn't define who I am. I'm not a rubbish, no good, kick you out, try another person in your place. God loves me. He chose me. But maybe I need to make some changes and allow God to do something fresh in my life. I just want to finish with this scripture, Hebrews, uh, and then we're going to pray together. How are you doing? You hearing the word this morning? Refreshing and keeping your future from trouble with your mouth and speaking blessing over one another. Hebrews, we just look at this verse. It's fantastic. Oh, I love the scripture. Do you love the scripture? It's the word of God that lives and abides forever. It's living and powerful. Hebrews 13. And uh, verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. 
Be content with such things you have. That's not the message, but that's amazing. Um, For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Do you see that? He has said, He has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So we may, what does it say? Bold? What does bold sound like? Confident. You mean it. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. How many want to live a future free from fear? That's difficult to say, but a future free from fear. Start saying this in the face of your fears. When there are things happening and storms around, start to say, I will not fear. The Lord is my helper. You know, this is the secret to releasing the activity of the Spirit. Is when we believe and we speak, the Holy Spirit begins to work and bring a conquering dimension to the words we say. And we find the fears we used to have are no longer plaguing us because we boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. I'm not fearing the future. I'm not fearing the economy. I'm not fearing a bad end. I'm not fearing a bad report. I will not fear anything because the Lord is my helper. The enemy uses the battle of the mind. He torments us day and night with future scenarios to create a fear so that we look to the future and predict negative things. Our God has a good prediction over our future. And he says it so that we might boldly say. So confession is so important for your success and for your partnering with God, even to see miracles happen at work. Unless you say and believe that when you lay hands on the sick, they will recover, it will never happen. Believe and speak in your bedroom. Get this agreement with your heart and your mouth. And then when you go into a situation where somebody has a great need, God will work through you. And you'll say confidently, can I lay my hands on you? Because I believe you're going to recover very, very quickly. That this is going to be a supernatural. God's going to work a miracle. But you'll boldly say it. You won't say, well, I'll pray. Let's hope it works. If I just yeah. You'll boldly say, I'll put my hand on you. You'll get healed. You know, it might, it might be a, a, a process, but it's not going to be a process the other way. It's going to change the direction of the flow. And instead of death, there is going to be life. Because I'm going to speak life over you. Hold fast, Scripture says, the good confession of your faith. Storms try and take it out of your mouth. Problems, real, difficult, 
awful situations we can all be in. But don't speak out continually how bad it is. Speak out how good God is and declare what he has already done through the cross so that your future can be different to your present. I love to think, like scripture tells us to think, that your tongue is the rudder of a ship. A big ship. So, like in comparison, it's such a small thing, your tongue. But actually, your body listens to your tongue. Demons listen to your tongue. But so does God and all the angels. They're listening to what you're saying. And when we agree with God, the power of God begins to work. And we begin to see an outcome that we believe and speak. And so we can direct our lives out of storms and crisis. You can change the direction of the flow by believing and speaking, which is why that's why this can get you into a whole world of trouble or into a whole world of blessing. Choose the blessing by finding the place. Isn't that wonderful that Jesus stood? He found the place. If it's good enough for him, the head of the church, it's good enough for us. We love and believe in faith confession. Don't let anybody rob you of a good confession. Don't let a sickness rob you of a good confession. Don't let a future or something spoken over you as a child stop where you're going to end up. Let nothing stop the plan of God. It is written, therefore this defines me. I may need a whole lot of refining, but it still means there's gold in me. I'm not a throwaway, I'm a keeper. I'm a keeper. I'll never be thrown away. I'm a keeper because Christ has loved me so much that he gave himself for me. Amen. Let's stand. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.